just going to read one verse, verse number four. It is good to see Sister Rada in service with us tonight. Praise the Lord. I think it's all home, folks. Good to see Sister Faye here with us tonight. But I'm glad for your faithfulness to the house of God. I do pray that uh, you'll join me in prayer for Sister Murphy. Uh, she just shared her heart with me Sunday morning. A lot of areas where she's just battling and struggling and needing the Lord to help. So remember, Sister Catherine, when you pray, that God will intervene and undertake on her behalf. And then also, uh, Sister Bird called me right before service, and Brother Bird is not doing well at all. Uh, just needs strength uh, in his body. They wanted to come tonight, but he just was not able. And uh, he's at that age right now where he's, he, I'm telling you, if he had strength in his body, he'd be here tonight. He wants to be here tonight. So uh, whenever you help me pray for Brother Winford, that God will touch him. The Bible said no good thing will he withhold from him that walks uprightly. He said whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe, and God will do it. I believe if we want to be in the house of God, God will touch us so that we can be. That's just Sister Darlene Rod is living proof of that. So uh, we thank God for his touch upon our life. So, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Read one verse, verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to preach to you tonight on the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. And Lord, we just ask that you'll speak to our heart through your spirit by the word of God. That you'll give us ears to hear and a heart of understanding. We'll receive on good ground the seed that's sown in our hearts tonight, which is the word of God. I pray, Lord. You'll search our hearts and you'll do an everlasting work in each heart and life. God, you'll draw us closer to you. You'll make us more like you. God, I pray that you'd save the lost, heal the sick, baptize every believer in the power of the Holy Ghost. Touch those that aren't able to be here tonight. Sister Murphy, Brother Bird, and others that we're praying for your touch of physical healing upon their body. God, we thank you for it. We ask it together in Christ's name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen. I forget to mention Brother Eddie Morris a lot as well, but uh, just uh, remember he and his mother uh, as they battle infirmity in their body and ask the Lord to touch them. Also, all of us know what it's like to fight a battle of some kind. Some battles are serious, life and death, uh, saved or lost, heaven or hell. Some battles are, are silly. And a silly battle would be what I call the battle of the bulge. You heard about a man who was on a diet. He drove past the Krispy Kreme store. He said, man, I sure do want a donut bad. And he said, I don't need one, but I want one. I shouldn't do it, but I want to do it. There's a battle going on in him. He said, Lord, if I'm supposed to stop and get me a donut, you let the parking spot right in the front, right in front of the front door, you let it be empty. And I'll know that's my sign that I'm supposed to get a donut. And after the seventh time circling around the store, <laughs> that spot finally come open and he knew He knew he was supposed to have one. Those ain't the kind of battles I'm going to preach about. Tonight. Amen. If that was the only battle we had, we'd be all right, wouldn't we? Amen. There's a lot more serious battles going on tonight. Not a battle between nations, and I take nothing away from the seriousness of that. I, I, I trust and pray that you are praying for our troops. 
I don't know how many 180 something attacks since all the Middle East got fired off, which has been, what, three, four months ago? 180 something times our bases all throughout the Middle East have been attacked. And just uh, a couple of days ago, two days ago, uh, one of our uh, bases was hit with a, uh, a unmanned drone attack. Three of our soldiers from, I looked and all three of them were uh, young, well one of them middle aged but two of them were young. They were all black men stationed out of a troop in South Georgia. And uh, I know that area that those boys was from well. And uh, I, I tell you, my dad's a double Purple Heart recipient. He's a veteran of war. He's always been a patriot. He put patriotism in me. And it, it, it stirs me up like nothing for somebody to attack our troops. And us do absolutely nothing. Nothing. And uh, I, I take nothing away from the battle that's being waged, uh, especially right now in the Middle East that's threatening to spill over into the entirety of the world. But uh, that's a real battle. And I'm, I'm praying that God will protect our troops. Uh, we've got Jared, one of our own. He's... Uh, in a very sensitive area over there. And uh, as soon as I, I heard about that, my heart kind of sank a little bit. And I said, you know, I, I hate that it's anybody, but Lord, don't let it be him. Don't let it be him. And, you know, when you've got, when you've got somebody that you consider one of your own there, it makes you pray a little longer, yeah. a little harder. And uh, with a little more efficacy and, and passion, and uh, this is not, I'm not going to preach to you tonight about a battle between nations. It's not a battle between you and your neighbor. It's not a battle even between men and women. It's a battle for the heart and the souls and the minds of men and women. It's a battle between God and Satan. We're pitched on one side or the other. Right. It's a conflict you're very much involved in. In 2 Corinthians 10, I only read verse number 4, but in verses 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's warfare. All three of those verses speak of a very real and intense battlefield, a war that is being waged in the heart and in the mind of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's here today. It's a deadly and a serious war. That's why Paul, 1 Timothy 6 and 12 instructed Timothy to fight. I want you to know tonight you'll fight or you'll die. That's right. Every soldier knows that to be a reality. When you're in war, you fight or you die. That's just the way it is. 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want you to know that he was required to fight, and he said it's a good fight. It's the good fight of faith. And I also want you to know that if you're going to be saved, he said you've got to lay hold on eternal life. In other words, you're fighting for your life. So you're saying I'm trying to earn my salvation by fighting for it? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if you don't fight, Satan is going to take you out. If you don't fight to live, fight to stay spiritually alive, spiritually vibrant, full of the Holy Ghost, if you're not on the battlefield for the Lord, I'm telling you, he is fighting for keeps. He's warring against your mind and against your heart 
to pervert your mind and to cause your heart to stray away from God. There's worse things than dying physically, I can tell you. To die spiritually is the worst thing. Amen. He also instructed him as a soldier, as a good soldier, that he would have to endure hardness. You know, the word endurance means that you got to outlast something. That's what endurance is. It's going to take a little while and you can't quit. You can't give up. You're going to have to outlive it and outlast it. And that's what you do in war. You survive the war so that you can come home <laughs> and celebrate the victory. And the, the battle that we're in or our faith, that's what we're doing. All the way till we draw our last breath. I've watched a many a saint of God, Brother Clinton told me, as a young man, I could see good, I could hear good, I felt good. I laid hands on everybody else, praying for all of them, believing for all of them, saw all kind of great miracles. That was awesome. He said, I'm telling you, the greatest battle of my life is as an old man, I can't see good. I can't hear good. I don't feel good. And when I pray, my mind wars if God hears, if God loves you, if God answers prayer, why do you feel this? Why is this good? He said, I spend most of my time battling in my mind, fighting unbelief out of my soul. I know God hears. I know God cares. I know God answers prayer. He's answered too many. He's done too much for me to ever doubt it, but somehow... It, the, the attack of that mind and the, and the warfare on this body is relentless. Uh, you always have to go to war against it. Paul said, I keep my body, I keep under my body and bring it uh, into subjection. I beat it down. I keep it under. I don't let it rule my mind. I don't let my soul be in subject to it, but it will be in subject to my spirit. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You've got to fight. Fight to stay alive. You've got to fight to maintain joy. You've got to fight to have peace in your heart and your mind. You've you got to fight to live and to walk in victory. You got to fight sometimes to worship God in spirit and in truth. You got to fight sometimes just to stand on the side of right. Sometimes the hardest thing you'll ever do is to stand on the side of right when everybody you love is wrong. They need somebody to be right. They need somebody to stand. They need somebody to stand there like a lighthouse so that when their life is about to crash on the rocks, at least they know where to go to. They know where to turn back to. They can come back home, turn back to the Lord. I want us to consider tonight, I won't ever finish, I already know that. Maybe I can make it to point one before we say it's time to quit. I want us to consider Three basic things we should never be ignorant of in war. If you do, you'll be defeated by it one day. Number one, I want us to look at the wiles of our foe. The wiles of our foe, and that can be found in Ephesians chapter number six and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, in writing this letter to the Ephesians, when he used the word finally, it meant this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. This is what I want to close with, and if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power, in the dunamis of his might. Be strong in the Holy Ghost. That's what it means. 
Put on the whole armor of God. This is not, you know, a, a Templar vest. This is not any kind of body armor. This was not shields uh, of, of bronze or of steel. No, no. This is the armor of God. This is spiritual armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of our foe, of our enemy, of our adversary, the wiles of the devil. And the first thing we have to consider is that he is crafty. He is sneaky. He is cunning. The Bible said we're not ignorant of his devices. Who is our enemy? Because in every war there is one. You ain't in a war because you're buddies with everybody. Hey, we're in a war. High five. Hey, we're all. I love all you guys. Just wanted to come out here and see how all of you are doing. You're in a war. He's going to kill you or you're going to kill him. You're fighting for something that you feel like is worthy of you giving your life for. You know, in America's case, I would say our liberty, our freedom, our way of life. I would, if they probably wouldn't let a 52-year-old man get in, but I'm telling you, you let them invade our shores, and they said we need everybody that'll join. From 8 to 80, we'll take you if you can squeeze the trigger. I'm telling you, I love this country enough. I'd have to sign up. Y'all give me a good scope because I can't see real good. Y'all give me a good scope. I, I'm a pretty good shot. Amen. Who is our adversary? The devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles to stand against the wiles of the devil. You are against him. And he is against you. He is not your friend. He is not your buddy. He don't have your best interest in mind. Everything he plants in your mind, everything he does against you or your family is to steal, kill, and to destroy quicker you understand that. You're in a battle for your life. Your spiritual life is at stake. Your joy, your peace, your victory, your anointing, your worship, your calling, your gifting, everything. He wants it and he's do whatever it takes to kill you and to take that from you. Except for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I can tell you, some of the biggest devils in the universe are camped in Washington, D.C. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Some of the biggest devils in the world are all in that Middle East, wanting your sympathy. That Israel's just doing them so bad. They're devils, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. You rape and, and murder and slaughter defenseless women and, un, and, and little old bitty children. Behead them. Burn their bodies. Most of them burn while they're still alive. Mortally wound them and then set them on fire while they're alive. That's demon possession. Listen, I, I, the word wiles in the Greek is the same word we get our word methods from. Our enemy is methodical. He is organized, he is systematized, and he is mobilized. That's why we put our whole armor on to fight. 
you see troops go into the battlefield, they are, they are geared up. They've got all their armor, all their weaponry, and they are on watch and on guard. You look at videos of those IDF troops in the Middle East, they know that in every house, behind every tree, popping up out of a tunnel in the ground, somebody wants to kill them. I mean, they, they, they are ready for bear. They Somebody's, you know, watching their back. They've got patrol station there on their guard. That, that ought to be a picture of the church. We know that there's a hierarchy of invisible, diabolical enemies. There, there's, a, there's a lead demon over a legion attached right here to Baldwin County in South Alabama. And every battle that you fight, every, every feeling that you try to fight out of your spirit that's wanting to take your joy, take your victory, to discourage you, to oppress you. I'm telling you, he's dispatched hordes of devils to your home. They war against your mind. They attack your physical person. Anything and everything to try to kill you and destroy you is being done. I want to remind you, you're a soldier of the Lord. You're in the army of the Lord. And you are fighting for your life. Hallelujah. No doubt he didn't want you to come to church tonight because you're going to get stirred up. You're going to get energized. You're going to get strengthened. You're going to gird up for war. You're going to put your, your, your armament on. You're going to load your, your, you know, your weapon with ammunition. You're going to sharpen your sword. And he knows it's a threat to him when you come to the house of God. These principalities are under the command of the prince of darkness, the father of all lies, one who's been a murderer from the beginning. He's got a plan. It's a diabolical plan. He's already made plans to sabotage your life, to ruin you, to hurt you, to harm you, to, to deceive you. He will methodically destroy your life if you don't maintain your guard. The battleground is in our mind. Note again in, in our text tonight in 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold was a fenced or a walled city. And it was meant to keep the enemy out and to keep the captives in. And if you will let the devil, he will plant and build a stronghold in your mind to push every good, every pure, every truthful, and every godly thought out. And to keep captive every diabolical, every hurtful, and every oppressive thought in. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal meaning not rifles and slingshots and swords, not those kind of weapons, but we do have weapons. And our weapons are mighty through God. How? Or for what end or to what purpose? To the pulling down of strongholds. You don't need a rifle to defeat the devil. You don't need a buck knife to whip the devil. He said, casting down, verse 5, imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You know the word knowledge, there's a Greek word gnosko, and it means intimacy, closeness, or oneness with God. It's not a word that means a mere acquaintance. It means somebody that you know and love in a very real, personable way. I know it. I know their first, middle, and last name. I know what their favorite color is, their favorite food is. I, you know, I know where they work. I know how many kids they got. I knew their mom and daddy. 
That's really knowing somebody. Somebody that met me one time. Hey, do you know Eddie Sutton? Oh, yeah, I know him. I met him 20 years ago. That's not what this word means. Bringing or, or casting down imaginations, that's in the mind, and every high thing that exalts itself against your intimacy with God. And bringing into captivity every thought that's in the mind to the obedience of Christ. Amen. The battle is for your mind. The battle is for your attention. The battle is for your devotion. The battle is for your commitment. All of that begins in your mind. I got a made up mind. I've made up my mind. This is what I'm going to do. And you'll never do it until you settle it right here first. And then every time the enemy tries to move you from it in your mind, you say, nope, mine's made up. Nope, that's settled. Ain't going there, ain't doing that, ain't saying that, not going to think that. No way, no how. It's a battle right there. Fast forward to, Chapter 11 and 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent that God tricked, deceived Eve through his subtlety so your minds, your what? So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word simplicity there is singularity. I'm not scattered. I'm not committed to 50 different things. My life, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. I'm not going to accept a job that's going to take me away from God's will. My friends are, are, are carefully, spiritually considered, selected, and chosen. I'm not hanging out with people that are going to carry me out of the will of God that are going to do things that grieve the very spirit of God. In I'm not a lot that's going to pitch my tent in Sodom and vex my soul every day. Yeah. He lost his wife and, and, and Sodom, though, though his daughters were spared, their minds were corrupted and perverted and they gave birth to the very enemies of God's people to this day. Right. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. He said, lest you be corrupted from the simplicity, the singularity that is in Christ. Christ is your life. Everything about your life pertains to your witness, to your testimony, to who you are in Christ. When, when, it, when the rapture takes place, God don't care if you're a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, a block layer, whatever. God don't care what your occupation was, only in that whatever it was, you did it heartily as unto God, and you bore witness where God planted you. I'm just telling you, everything about your life, your job, your friends, your finances, whatever it is, it should pertain to Christ. He's my life. I want to tell you, if, the, if God puts his hand on something in your life, and says, I'm tired of that, I want that gone, and you won't do it, then that's your God. Everything about my life pertains to who I am in Christ. That is the singularity that's in Christ. I ain't got no other God. There ain't nobody else I call Lord. He's the master, he's the Lord, and I'm the subject, the servant, and the son. He's the father and I'm the son. He's the Lord and I'm the servant. Whatever he says, that's what I do. Wherever he wants me, that's where I am. Whatever he wants of me, then that's what I give. The battleground's in the realm. The apostle said of the imagination, the realm of knowledge, the realm of our thought life. What the devil wants to do is to corrupt our mind. Why does Satan want your mind? He wants to make a stronghold out of your mind. He wants to control your mind. 
If the devil can control the way you think, he then controls the way you feel. He can control the way you think and the way you feel. He's going to control the way you live. He's going to control how you talk. He's going to control where you go. He's going to control what you do. He's going to control how you treat other people. He's going to control every part of your life. The devil uses your thought life against Almighty God if he can. His war is with God. You're just a tool, a pawn in his strategy. He is methodically, or he wants to methodically use your thought life to war against God. God also wants to use your mind, your thought life. Because when God saved you, our sister Quoted the other night in Romans chapter 12. Wherefore I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God as your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. God said, give me that mind, and I want to make it mine. And then I'll do whatever I want to with your life if I can have your mind. Amen. Brother Clendenin. Described it like this. He said, I can't play no, I can't play no piano or no organ. Now my pastor can, my daughter can, I can't play. Pete can, Riley can, I can't. But if you put their mind in me, then I could. I don't know which one of them keys play which key or which chord of music, but they do. Yeah. If you put their mind in me, then when my eyes looked at them keys, I'd hit them right where they're supposed to be hit. I can't make no three-pointer, but if you give me Michael Jordan's mind, <laughs> I could know just how much touch, just how high to loft the ball, and just how much strength and effort to roll it off my fingertips so that it would go right through the basket. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. The Bible said we have the mind of Christ. Yeah. You say, what, how, what's the mind of Christ? The Holy Ghost. Yeah. The Spirit knows the deep things of God. The Holy Ghost is the mind of Christ. And we have him on the inside of us. He said, you're going to work the works that I do. And greater shall you do because I'm going to my father. And I'll pray the father. He'll send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He's going to give you the power to do all things. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that, we may, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind in Romans chapter number two. Satan wants to either blind your mind if you're lost or corrupt your mind if you're saved. Note not only the while or the method or the strategy of our enemy, but secondly, if you're going to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, you got to know the wild of your enemy, but you also got to know the weakness of your flesh. 2 Corinthians 10 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. If you war after the flesh, you lose. If you live in the flesh, walk in the flesh, and war after the flesh, you are going to lose. I want to tell you, pastors, more so than anybody, need to know that. Because there's so many churches that promote the work of the flesh. They minister and operate in the flesh. The whole thing is built upon the flesh. And it all comes crumbling down at some point like a house of cards. Because it can't stand. 
Brother Clendenin told me, he said, boy, he said, you ever operate in the flesh behind that pulpit? Every work of the flesh will be in that pew. If there's flesh in the pulpit, he said, every work of the flesh is in that pew. Lying, murdering, adultery, homosexuality. He said, it'll all be out there. He said, once the devil sets up a stronghold in that church, he said, the only way to get him out, you got to blow the thing to kingdom come. Yeah. Come on. Woo. We was at the mark or, or the spring meeting years ago. It was always every year the week before Easter. It, it closed out on Good Friday. A guy came, man, there was missionaries from all over the world giving reports of the school of Christ. He was running schools here in the state. One preacher from somewhere, I think he was in the Midwest somewhere, he went through the school of Christ, revolutionized his prayer life, revolutionized his way of thinking, revolutionized his way of living. That gets in your soul, that fire of the Holy Ghost starts flowing out of you like rivers of living water. I mean, it woke him up spiritually. He came alive to the Lord. He said, I took this school of Christ. I took that manual. I took this this live lesson back to my home church and thought, my God, we are going to have revival. I'm on fire of the Holy Ghost. My God, we're going to have a revival. Thank you, Lord, for putting me through this school, for opening my eyes and awakening my spirit. You're about to move. He said, I thought I was going to see revival. I went back and preached this message not just the school of Christ, but I preach this message of, of life in Christ, the power of Pentecost, this baptism. I preach this to my church. He said, I blew it to smithereens. They all left me. I ain't got but about 10 people left. I had my buddy sitting beside him. I'm not, I nudged him with my elbows. <laughs> that needs to be told everywhere because that's the truth. That's the truth. Amen. Most houses are built on the flesh. And if a man goes in there in the spirit, he tears the devil's house down. I want to tell you, if somebody preaching the gospel, preaching it truth, uh, preaching it straight, uh, preaching it hot, uh, oh yeah, if that steals uh, your victory, it takes your joy. If something in you don't make you want to throw your hands up and say, my God, preach, man, preach. Yeah. It means you need revival. It means you need a breakthrough. It means you need what we're talking about to put on the armor of God. Yeah. To cast down imaginations. To pull down strongholds. Ask God, set me free. I'm being held captive. Amen. It's the truth. I've had pastors book me for revival. I ain't never been back. I'm not a mean preacher. I ain't. But I preach this gospel. I don't have nothing else to preach. My jokes ain't funny. I'm not a very comical person. I'm not a very personable person. <laughs> I don't have much to talk about except Jesus. <laughs> I don't have many talents, many abilities, many hobbies. I'm a pretty boring guy. I just go somewhere to preach and I found some places don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. I hate to keep using him, wearing him out. Brother Clinton said years ago was pastor in that church and had a hot shot evangelist and everybody told me, you need to get this guy. I mean, he can preach. He said he preached on Monday night. I said he preached well. We had a good service We's going out to lunch the next day. I'm coming out of prayer meeting. I'm all stirred up. Uh, we sit down to eat lunch. I go to talking with him about what God's saying to me at prayer meeting, about what he preached last night, and how stirred up. He said, hey, 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 brother. If you don't mind, I don't want to talk shop the whole time while we eat lunch. He said, oh, oh. 
He said, I let him talk about all the stuff he wanted to talk about. I drove. He said, we got back to the church. He said, you wait right here. Don't leave. Wait right here. I got to go get you something and I'll be right back. He said, I went in there and I told my secretary, he said, I need you to cut a check, a one-night offering. He ain't preaching. No, I'm sending him home with a one-night check. She, she cut a check. He come back out, he handed it to him. He said, what's this? He said, you're offering for last night. He said, that was your closing message. He said, let me tell you something, mister. Jesus ain't shocked to me. Jesus ain't something I talk about at work. Jesus is my life. And you dealing with the souls of my family and God. And they are my life. And I don't need you to come and entertain them for an hour. He said, I'll preach to them the rest of the week. And we'll do just fine without you. Woo. I want to tell you, rare are the men of God in the kingdom these days. That mean business. It won't be moved from the singularity that is in Christ. And Brother Corey preached Sunday night or, or last Wednesday. I don't know when it was. Last Wednesday night on the on a prayer meeting that brought up the glory of God. That boy, uh, Brother Donnie, preached Sunday night on God's call to get me. They done stirred your pastor up about praying. Both messages was to stir us to pray. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I'll tell you how this message was born. It was in prayer. God spoke to me about the weapons of our warfare. He said, you're at war. The reason I'm trying to stir you to pray is I want to weaponize your prayer life. That's where this whole, God said to me, I want to weaponize your prayer life. And that's point number one in my message. The weapons of our warfare. But you got to realize the wiles of the devil and the weakness of the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. All of us in ourself, in our own strength, we're weak. The Bible says in Matthew 26 and 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Just assume he meant you. The spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. You ain't as strong as you think you are. <laughs> you ain't as spiritual as you think you are. You're not the spiritual giant you portray yourself to be. Jesus said, when you get up tomorrow, you better pray. I thought I was going to shout. I felt like it. The, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh right. is weak. Understand that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Therefore, our weapons can't be weapons of flesh and blood. What works on people don't work on the devil. That's right. <laughs> the battle may not be, or the battle may be within man, but it's not between men. We need to understand that's a part a part of our problem is we've been trying to defeat a spiritual enemy with carnal weapons. There are three carnal weapons people think are the answer, and they're not. Education, legislation, and environment. I ain't preaching no district council. And I probably won't ever preach the general council. But oh, I wish I could. <laughs> oh, I wish I could. Because this is what they would hear. You've made our weapons, education, legislation, and environment. And they have miserably failed. Yeah. Right. Amen. Our forefathers didn't need any of it. 
They just needed the truth of God's word to be preached. They needed to walk in the spirit and be full of the spirit. And we were just fine. We didn't have sissies prancing around in the pulpit. Y'all knew I was going to have to say it. Oh, God. It was a whole lot less people running off with somebody else's wife or husband. We All we needed was him. Oh, but we done got smarter than that now. Education, legislation, and environment. We think those are the answers. We still do. The Bible said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil don't mean, you know, extremely wicked men. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit that was his disciples evil men? No. He meant you being carnal men. Carnal by your very nature know how to do good things, but that ain't how you beat the devil. Education. If we just educate our people, that's going to solve the problem. Nazi Germany educated all their people to hate the Jews, to destroy the Jews, and in so doing, destroyed themselves. You take a man, give him an education without letting him know Jesus Christ, you just made a smart devil out of him. You smart devil, you. I know a lot of men way more educated than me. They just live like the devil. You know what their education is, Brother Bob? Good for nothing. I don't care if you got a PhD. I don't care if you graduated what seminary you came out of and you got a doctor behind your name. If you're worldly hide, I'm going to say you need to sit down. You're killing us. You're destroying the movement from within. You put a Joe Biden in the White House, you're going to kill America from within. You don't need nobody to drop a nuclear bomb on us. We got Biden in the White House. You put a goofball in the pulpit, you don't have to have, you know, people with with protests and picket lines, you know, trying to fight against your church. You put a goofball in the pulpit, he'll kill it, graveyard dead, right here. Uh, but we've got education. We're, we're going in the right direction. Educated man just has more ability to be wicked and to be cruel. he got more knowledge in how to do it. Somebody said, take an ig- ignorant man. He may steal a watermelon from a boxcar. Did you give him an education? He'll learn how to steal from the whole railroad company. (laughs) You didn't help what was in here. You just made what was in here smarter. You understand? He just has more ability to be evil with. I am not against education. But education alone is not how we beat the devil. I ain't against education. I want you to come to Sunday school Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. I want you to study your Sunday school lesson. Amen. I want you to study your Bible. Amen. <laughs> I want you to study to show yourself approved. Get your Strong's Concordance and a Bible dictionary and do word studies. Let this Bible talk to you. Educate yourself. Fill your mind with, with knowledge. I don't want you to be ignorant. I wish I knew a lot more than what I knew. But I know enough to know that without the Holy Ghost, it's all just words on paper. Bill Gates knows much more than I do because he's got most of the accumulated wealth of the world in his bank account. It's obvious he knows much more than I do, but he don't know enough to make it in the rapture. 
You ain't his judge. I accept the man be born again. He ain't going. Legislation. Some believe we need to make more rules, have more laws, have a better government, have better structure. Government will never make us better. Government's about to kill us. Government was intended in passing laws to restrain evil. But government cannot and does not and will never have the power to change a man's heart. You can throw him in prison and he's going to be like the man from Gadara. If he can break out, he's going to do it again. Because you can't change him. Your laws can't change him. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God had to send his son. The law told you you're guilty and you're going to be punished. But the law couldn't change. God said I'm going to have to send my son and put his mind and put his heart inside of them. And then they will live what the law says. The environment. Everybody says, well, if we all had a better job, <laughs> we'd get people out of the slums, out of the ghetto. We'd give them a check, put them in affordable housing. We'd give them a cell phone. We can get them out of South America where they're so poor and impoverished down there. Get them on up here in America. Give them the American way of life. They'll be better. What they'll be is devils with money in their pocket. America used to be the melting pot that made our nation great. We were founded on, on Christian biblical principles. People wanted to come here because we were a godly nation and godliness equated to all of our blessings. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich and out of no sorrow with it, the Bible said. But when we forsook God, you take a band of devils from the Middle East, from China, or from South America, or Central America, and put money in their pockets, and just a bunch of rich devils that don't know what to do with it. They don't appreciate it. May we be reminded, Carson, if you'll help me. May we be reminded that sin came into existence with man in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a perfect environment. Man, I'm telling you, we can just get them in this environment right here. We've got this set up for them and this set up for them and this set up for them and this. I can just get them in the right, good, structured environment, a change of environment. They need to get born again. They need good old-fashioned Holy Ghost, uh, sin-killing deliverance in their heart and in their life. And the only way they're going to get that is through the preaching of the truth. And some old saint of God's going to have to salt the altar with their tears. Uh, somebody will push the plate back and pray and ask and seek uh, until the Holy Ghost comes down and arrests their soul. That's an old ignorant backwoods uh, Way of thinking and way of doing. I don't want, somebody told me, said, why you got to scream and holler? Preached homecoming, a little assembly of God, about two hours north there. Why you got to scream and holler? I'm Methodist and you scared the bejesus out of me. I said, ma'am, you don't mind me saying, she, she was serious, she wasn't just playing. She'd come to me with a stern, Lip, she's gonna get me told. I ain't even got to eat my homecoming dinner yet. And I said, ma'am, you don't mind me saying Jesus didn't mind me hollering. So I ain't hollering out of anger. I'm hollering out of excitement. 
I'm excited about this. She said, you talk your wife like you talk to us? I said, if she needs it, I do. <laughs> if she needs it, I do. She said, well, I don't like nobody preaching angry to me, hollering and screaming. I said, man, I ain't angry. I'm full of the, the joy of the Holy Ghost. I'm excited and happy about Jesus. I said, didn't you hear a word I said? Yes. Garden of Eden was a perfect environment. I said, I'm better for the house that I live in. I'm better because of the community I live in. I ain't in the slums no more. I'm in a nice subdivision now. I'm a better man. Proverbs 23 and 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. He ain't no better because of his environment. He ain't got Christ as his Lord. It's just a matter of time. I told you if I could preach up to point number one, I was going to be doing good because I knew I had a lot of I knew I had a lot of foundation to build, but I'm ready to preach on point number one. The weapon. What are the weapons of our warfare? The weaponization of prayer. You know, for the last two services, God's been trying to get us to pray. Right. And not just pray, to weaponize our prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get down to business. Devil stomping prayer. Sin killing prayer. Eye-opening prayer. Heart-rending prayer. Sick, sick, get healed prayer. Save, get healed prayer. Church, get revived prayer. Prayer that defeats the devil. Prayer that rings the prayer bells of heaven. Prayer that causes God to roll up his sleeve and reach down his arm and to say... got weapons God said use them use them we ain't, we ain't going to be able to preach them but I'm ready to preach them I hope I preached enough to get you stirred up anyway God I ain't even preached them yet I want you to meet me this altar tonight I want your prayer to be God I done heard two messages powerful messages stirring messages Convicting message, one by our associate pastor and another by a 19-year-old boy in the school of ministry. It ain't even got started good yet. God called us into our Gethsemane to crush us. Place of intimacy with just us and God. God can get you alone in that garden and crush you in the secret place, you're going to come out alive. You're going to come out on fire. You're going to come out anointed. You're going to come out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Your family will be better for it. Your church will be better for it. Your child will be better for Thank you, Lord. You're able to stand with me tonight. Brother Winford needs our prayers tonight. He needs our prayers to be weaponized against every power of hell that tries to infirm his body and come against him so he can't be in the house of God. Sister Darlene Rodder needs our prayers to be weaponized against the infirmities she battles. She wants to be here every service. We need to weaponize our prayer in such a way we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. What are you doing when you lay hands on somebody? I'm praying a prayer of faith. Knowing them with all. Pray over them in the name of the Lord. A prayer of faith will save the sick. A 
And the Lord will raise them up. What is that? That's weaponized prayer. You bow tonight, there's a stronghold in your mind. I'll tell you a weaponized prayer. Lord, save me. The demoniac fell at the feet of Jesus. In just a few moments time, a man bound with enough devils to choke out 2,000 head of swine was free, clothed in his right mind and was preaching the gospel. What was that? A weaponized prayer. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, I'm bound. Loose me. There ain't a thousand devils that can hold you if you weaponize your prayer and pray against hell and under God. God wants to Come on, let's be obedient to the voice of God tonight. Come on, I'm opening this altar up. Let's see every one of us. If you've got the ability to 